Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, August 13th, 2023. We've got another great show for you this week, so sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. We're going to kick things off with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill. Joining us on the line, they are the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for stopping by the program this morning. Good morning, Jeff. It's always good to be on. And I, I think this week we're going to take a look, you know, during these, these dog days of August, we're going to look at the, the temperature of the litigation landscape. Yeah, really, really good segue to you, David. Let's talk about this. What, what's going on with some of these excessive fee cases, from what I've read, a lot of them are surviving being thrown out. Sure, Jeff. And I think it's important to look at this at a macro level. A lot of people are saying a lot of them are surviving. And you're right, a good number of them do. But I think it's important to look at our history. First of all, we have a world where for a long time, a motion to dismiss on a case was extreme rarity of success in these fee cases. Mm-hmm. Only when we started having things like the like Common Spirits and Oshkosh and some of those decisions, and even the Intel case as well, where people started, where the court started saying, you can't just plead apples, oranges, and pears and say that you had to have done something wrong because it performed less than something else. And the courts started throwing out those cases. Take like, for instance, all the ones involving the life path target date funds. In general, they've been tossed out as well. You know, a court might let one go through, but that's the, the numbers speak for themselves. So my takeaway on a lot of this is that because we're getting used to actually having more defense wins where we're getting more cases dismissed, the, the situations where people are getting by a motion to dismiss is actually starting to draw more attention. So it, it's a little bit of the optics there. Now, there are certainly some notable cases. For instance, um, there's there's one, like there's an AT&T suit that's gotten a lot of press in the last week that was a 401k fee class action that's been revived. Mm-hmm. And, it really go, and it really gets into something that admittedly plaintiffs have not really focused on to the same extent in the past. We could talk prohibited transactions, but really talking really down to basics. Plaintiffs have always said, you weren't prudent, you weren't loyal. But now some of these suits are saying, well, what you paid was not reasonable. You, it, it was not a reasonable amount uh, for these things. And as part of that, you need to understand certain expenses, like an AT&T decision, which is you know early stage. Basically, the court said, for instance, you need to understand underlying fees on the brokerage window and managed account. This gets into a debate that from a counseling practice that comes up all the time about how do you understand fees and expenses? I don't agree with the decision, but I do believe that it shows that people are digging more and more into what is a reasonable fee and what is a fee that ties to a plan. I think some of this is pushing boundaries and I'm hopeful the courts will dial it back. 
But for what does it mean for right now? Let's go to straight to takeaways. Takeaways here are you is that every negotiation is different. Just like we talked about in healthcare litigation, where people where some people say gag clause restrictions mean that you have to get every uh, you have to get every piece of healthcare data isn't exactly the way the law is written right now. The idea that you should have to know every little fee is something that's that, that is subject to that that is that the plaintiffs are challenging at this point. So what does that mean? It means if you're doing counseling and you're negotiating. You do your best effort to understand the fees and expenses and document a process. It's the same old mantra, but the idea that you're going to learn every little intricacy six layers down of a business is also challenging. Reasonable fees are important, but how do you do those? The DOL guidance has been around for a while and the courts have been fine with it. I would argue that maybe some of these decisions maybe don't align with where where we think things are going, where things have been and arguably they should be, but we'll have to find out. Yeah. And Kevin, I want to pitch it to you, just kind of building off David's David's comments about reasonableness. I, look, I've been a consultant. I've been an advisor. Sometimes what's reasonable to me is maybe different to you, maybe different to David, maybe different to the plan sponsor. But what I do know, Kevin, is that a documented process is always the best way to go to tell people how you arrived at a certain decision. But I want to get your input on what David said. Yeah, I mean, David basically left me speechless there. I don't have a ton to add, but <laughs> when we think about reasonableness of fees, it is an area where folks are frequently second-guessed. So being able to show that you had a prudent process can be a vital tool when, when the litigators show up. Yeah, a really good point, gentlemen. Uh, David, I just want to throw it back to you for one last question. Uh, we continue to see the evolution of these cases. Cases You mentioned the AT&T case. You've mentioned some other cases. We continue to see a debate about information. Have you, have you mm-hmm. from your perspective and Kevin's perspective, seen a, a continued evolution of these cases to bring in other elements of the retirement system in order to litigate? Uh, yes, I, I think you have. Clearly, there has been the focus, I'll call it, on ancillary activities and pieces in the retirement system. Notably, when you look at things like the discussion of, well, for instance, managed accounts, they really haven't, they get named, but they have not really been central here. Mm-hmm. But you are seeing things like brokerage windows. Uh, you are seeing things like use of data and other ancillary services. So I think that's a trend we will continue to see. Do I think that these are the best claims? Do they relate to a plan? That's a whole separate discussion for another day that I think the defense side of us would all say, no, there's a certain limit here. But at the same time, the plaintiffs keep pushing that way. And I think that we will continue to see that as we see in almost in a lot of the cases that are filed almost every week. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you have to react oftentimes to what is being uh, thrown at you. Um, And I I think it must be difficult as a judge. Um, We can talk about that in a later episode. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for popping by the program. And we look forward to having you back again next week. Thanks for having us on, Jeff. And thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. Bye-bye, guys. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future.
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. Now we're joined by Oliver Rennick of the TD Ameritrade Network. Oliver, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for stopping by the program this morning. Sure thing. Always appreciate it. I guess my first question to you, Oliver, is... um, I don't know how to put this. Uh, are the are the you know there's a little bit of a setback I guess in the market, a little bit of a sell off. Yes. So are the yeah, are it's the, hard to describe. It is hard to describe. But are the bears in charge or the bulls? Great question. And uh, <laughs> yeah. your sort of uh, deliberation on how to frame it is exactly the predicament that I've been in from a analytical perspective for the last two weeks. Because the markets have definitely buckled and have slipped. Bulls are losing their footing a bit, their balance, if you will, as there are some major criticisms available now to the two pillars of the bull thesis, which have been disinflation and a more relaxed Fed, as well as a better-than-expected economic situation. Those have basically been the two main themes for why stocks have done so well for almost um, 10 months now. The October bottom in September, sorry, the October bottom last year was basically the market understanding that the Fed was creating a little bit of damage and was probably ready to um, cool off a bit as inflation numbers were coming down pretty dramatically in the fourth quarter last year. So that was kind of the baseline. And then this year, all the data turned out to go a lot better than expected. And um, that has basically been the two-pronged source of all of this uh, strength in stocks from October up until last month. And then in the last 10 days for the S&P 500, basically, a little bit more than that, 11 trading days, I guess, the S&P 500 topped out July 27th. Mm. The NASDAQ topped out prior to that on the 17th with Netflix and Tesla earnings. So that's where I'll start answering that question with kind of how we got here. And then the timing of the top for both those indexes um, pretty much tells you what you need to know about um, what's happening here. So I can kind of launch into that unless you've got a, another question in well, between there. I, no, I think go ahead and do that. But I also want to tie back to CPI numbers for July 
um, you know, what's going on with inflation, how that is tying back to what you're describing. Because yeah. we have seen we, we've seen a lot of inflation in terms of food, gasoline, energy, etc. Little has ebbed a little bit. Maybe some places it hasn't. Meaning, you know, maybe food hasn't c- come back in totally. certain places. But what does that all mean? How does it all get baked into the market? Because what we're talking about is some really. I have a bearish feeling now. When I this week, I didn't the week before. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just. Maybe I'm just. Well, off. no, you're not imagining things. No, you're not. Since July 27th, the market has been trending lower. So it's not crashing. It's not, you know, a bear market by any means, but just from a technical trend definition, lower highs, lower lows since July 27th. That's why you're feeling the way you are. So now to answer the question about inflation, because it really does help to just think about it visually on the calendar, the way this happened. July 27th was a Thursday. So that was now three Thursdays ago by the time your folks are listening to this. That was when a bunch of economic data came in really well. It was a GDP day, and everything beat expectations, Thursday, July 27th. The stock market rallied in the morning. Everybody was celebrating great data. And then Treasury yields took off. Treasury yields had been grinding upwards for the previous month, sideways for the year-to-date through July, But there was a really key, and not to get too technical, but on the chart, it was very clear to me that that move that Thursday was very important for the 10-year yield, the way it bounced from an area it had been stuck in. Bottom line is we got a bunch of good data. Yields jumped. Stock market U-turned. And since then, we've been getting higher treasury yields. We've been getting lower stock prices. And we've been getting a stronger dollar, too. And all of that is telling you that in the last three weeks, essentially, the market's getting more worried about inflation again. So that's the inflation part. It's important to, though, also make sure that we include the tech part of that, too, not to go too far forward, because the S&P and the NASDAQ are pretty different beasts, especially when it's been such a tech-heavy rally. Tech peaked out going into Netflix and Tesla earnings on the 17th and has been disappointed generally by tech earnings. So it's a slightly different explanation, but it's really just two sides of the same coin because the reason valuations are coming down now in tech as well is because people are pricing in higher yields, higher rates, and that is bad for valuation. So the whole market now has kind of reoriented itself around the same concerns from the last year that ended up creating a big bad bear market. Oliver, I want to ask you about the bond market. So you mentioned the dollar, you mentioned treasury yields, you mentioned the stock market. How are bonds reacting? Typically, maybe the inverse relationship to interest rate hikes, but also to the stock market. How are, how are bonds, bond, bond markets and bond traders doing right now? Well, that's where the fear is kind of coming in. That's why it feels like it's been a lot more dramatic of a decline than what we've actually gotten in the stock market because the relationship between bonds and stocks is going back to how it was at the beginning of last year's bear market, which is correlated in price, inversely correlated with yield. So stock prices and bond prices are becoming correlated again 
So when bonds are selling off and yields are going up, stocks are going down. And it's a pretty clear relationship between the two. The VIX bottomed on the day the 10-year yield had that move up towards 4% that I was talking about in late July. So stocks and bonds now are trading correlated in price inverse to yield. So the yield goes up, stocks go down. As far as corporate bonds go, there has not been a big sell-off or anything in the world of corporate bonds that would suggest some major economic risk. And that's really important, too, because the way bonds are selling off is actually different than what people had expected. The long end of the bond yield curve is rising faster than the short end, and that's happening because growth expectations are getting ratcheted upwards. Just this past week, Atlanta Fed GDP expectations moved up to 4%. Okay, so even if that's a hot estimate, it still is a lot of growth. So um, that's important to realize is that this is happening generally for a good reason because we're getting these expectations ratcheted up for the economy, but it also means inflation expectations are rising too, and that's not great when stocks have been pricing in pretty great stuff after a monster rally since October. Well, Oliver, always breaking it down for us. It's Oliver Rennick on the TD Ameritrade Network. Definitely check him out each day, twice a day. Oliver, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back again on the program next week. Thank you very much, Jeff. Bye-bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.